So I went back home this morning, um, see my see my mom, see my dad, and uh, on my way out, I went I went and stopped in my in my room, and I saw my Nintendo DS, you know, just sitting around, and I picked it up. I saw I saw some old Pokemon games, and I was like, you know what? I'm on spring break. I want to play a little po- a little bit of Pokemon, you know, you know as just as they do, casual as casual they do thinking. at the age of twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> Prime time. <laughs> And um, so boom, I I go to uh, I go to the mall, I go to GameStop. They don't got any po- they don't got any uh, old Game Boy games because like I don't know if I don't know if you you remember, but like GameStop used to carry you know like super old just like Game Boy games that like you could buy for like ten. That was like stuff. twenty. I didn't know that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they don't do that anymore because I haven't been to a GameStop in like five years. Right. But I walk in, I can't find them, so I asked you know the the kind cashier. I said, hey, um. Do you have any Pokemon Game Boy games? And then she hit me with like she was like a she was like oh the retro ones, and I was like I was like no nah, you know just like just like you know like fire red like leaf green. She's like those are retro, <laughs> and then it hit me. I was like those games came out twenty years. She ago. humbled you. <laughs> so like I'm pretty sure twenty years is the mark for retro games. Like if I'm wrong, correct me. But I'm pretty sure that's like the that's when it, things become retro and. I just walked out so sad. I was like, "Damn, bro, <laughs> those games are." I'm old now. I'm really old. But you can still get I'm those really games a... on eBay or something. But it's it's not the same, you know. I want to just walk in and get it. I'm probably not going to order it online. I just want to the experience. I want to relive that. But uh, I'm not going to get, get it for that you. I'm old I told Mashoon that when I come to Florida, we're going to take out our DSs and use PictoChat <laughs> right across from each other, just right to each other. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Difficultish, a podcast about different South Asian narratives. I am Mahua. I am Mashnoon. And today, you know, today. Today is the day. Joined by, we are joined by a very special guest. Finally. Um, super duper special guest. I'm uh, I'm really excited to to talk to this man. Um, he's uh, someone I really look up to. And, you know, I- I'm going to stop gassing you. I'm going to just let you introduce yourself. Who who are Talk you? Talk your shit. <laughs> you know, just before we just before we start, I I, I just want to say, like, you know, when I was and, and this is something that I told the both of you. Um, but, you know, when I started the rollout for my book, um, I put it up on Amazon about like a week earlier than I actually like, you know, um, announced the link. Because I wanted to send it out to like a couple people, and I had a list of like ten or fifteen people that I uh, I sent my book out to, and um pretty much everybody said yes, and you know I sent it out to to uh you know some people with big followings and just some people that I just wanted them to read my book, um and I sent it out to like some of my old teachers that like influenced me too, and out of every single person that I offer I offered my book to, Farhan was the only person, and to this day you know I've still sent out copies of my book to people Farhan was the only person that um that declined my offering because he wanted to purchase the book himself and i've never talked to this guy before he left me on red for like a month i, I sent him i know you're so, I know you're so <laughs> mad about that a little bit a little bit but uh but no um you know ever since that it, it didn't really affect me until maybe like a couple weeks after that but you know farhan's pretty much like one of the realest people that i've ever met with him doing that you know I've I've offered my book to so many people and you know j- just him doing that like I'm not I'm not like a, a big guy and we haven't even talked before that so 
you know, I, I definitely appreciate that. Farhan's one of the coolest people that I know. Um, he's a best-selling author. He uh, He's the author of four poetry books. I own three of them. I need to get my fourth one just so I got my collection. Feel me? But um, no, Farhan's really dope. Um, when we started, you know, thinking of guests that we want to have on the pod, Farhan was like the first person that, that I thought of that I wanted to bring on. So I'm really excited to have you on, this bro. This man is um, literally and, uh, the, the best-selling South Asian author ever like let that sink i'm pretty sure you are feel me not ruby car she's south asian i was in like the beginning of high school i remember um my sister got uh got milk and honey i remember what like what year was whatever year like the book came out my sister got it because my sister's really into reading and i grew up next to a barnes and noble so we were there like every single day and um that's actually how, how i ran into your book and um she picked she picked up milk and honey literally just because it was a it was a indian name and she loved it and i think at the time my sister was maybe like 16 or 17 or 18 something around there and um she loved it and obviously she's older now and like she's kind of grown from it but it's like you you can't like fight the fact of like how much that affected like girls of maybe like that age and that skin color at that time you know it was it was really like the 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 torch at that time um for a lot of people that looks you know like her so mm-hmm. of course and i have to i remember i was listening to an interview by her where she was like i like she wants her name to be on the spine because she wants people like her mm. to kind of see that look there's also south mm-hmm. asian writers that's important right it's not just white writers right so i have to like i have to give her like all yeah. the love she deserves right right for getting poetry back in the line like if i know people grow out of it right i know people when people first read it when they're younger, they're going to like it. And then they're not going to like it when they're older, but it gives them the taste for more poetry, yeah, right? For sure. That's just, that's like the gateway, the gateway poetry book to get into more complex and more interesting poetry yeah, as well. Exactly. So I think she definitely paved the way. Like, um, yeah, like you got to give her her flowers right? because like she kind of did start the whole poetry game in the South Asian realm, but, and it's also with like anything in general, like she got a lot of praise for it and, she also got a lot of hate for it but it's because like a lot of people aren't used to seeing poetry and art like that in the south asian field especially from women so like with anything she's gonna get backlash from it but i think what she did is very like revolutionary because i remember seeing her name and seeing a brown name and on like tumblr back in the day and i think it really like changed my whole perspective on writers in the brown field in general cool so Awesome. Um, this is Farhan. He's our he's our guest <laughs> for the episode. Um, I wanted I wanted you to just talk a little bit about you know your upbringing, your origin story. You know where are you from? How do you feel like where you're from has like influenced who you are today? And uh, you know just talk about yourself a little bit. Oh, damn! I love talking. <laughs> right I don't know about there, myself, you go. But, uh, <laughs> so I grew up in New Jersey my whole life. I had one odd year in Rochester, New York, but that's early on um i grew up in a place called mawa new jersey it's all the way up north borders upstate new york right literally in the town there's a sign that says welcome to mm. new york mm. so like people when i say when i say when i tell people now in such jersey that i'm from where i'm from north jersey they're like oh patterson <laughs> right did he go to basha did he get, <laughs> like the kanafa there is so good and i'm like no 35 minutes above that that's mm. where i'm from and they're like oh you're from like the boonies and I'm like, I, I guess I'm from the boonies, right? right. <laughs> like boonies of New Jersey. Right. Um, my upbringing, I moved around a lot as a kid, too much as a kid. I have no idea why, right? My dad was an engineer at um, 
at Stryker, which is a biomedical company. Um, but I moved around a lot as a kid. Uh, very unstable upbringing, especially in the formative years of a kid. Um, but I landed in Mawa second grade and I just chilled there for my whole life. Mawa is a very, very white town. Mm. Very like closet racist, very like internalized mm-hmm. racism there, gotcha. right? Um, I was one of the, in my grade, I was the only three Muslim kids. In my school, I was very, like, one mm-hmm. to ten, right? Yeah. So it was a very, it was a very weird, really weird in hindsight, high school and school system in general. Uh, but I ex- experienced a lot of, like, low-key racism there that I didn't realize was racism in the moment until I kind of got out of it. And I went to college and right, the course, and I'm like, damn mm. they were racist right like like, damn, people, like what? and then people i don't know like, like microaggressions microaggressions things people would say to you the amount of like and things people would say to you that like i brushed off that i realized weren't okay like the amount of times i was called like a terrorist right by people and i'm i'm a type of person that brushes things off because i don't really care right i don't care about yeah. that many things right? Your words don't affect me. Mm. But I realized after I'm like, even though it didn't affect yeah. me, that's not okay. Because I let people treat me like that, right? Um, but it was it wasn't all our jokes. And I remember during that time, I remember specifically, oh my god, 2012, the day Osama bin Laden was killed, mm. right? Um, 2012, I it was May first, I believe, because I, I want to take that day off of school because I felt sick sick damn so i didn't go into school and then my mom came in my room my mom was like oh my god they just killed Osama bin laden and i was like oh mm-hmm. fuck mm-hmm. right because i know damn right i'm gonna i would the next day i went to school they're like oh why were you yeah. absent yesterday right oh were you mourning your uncle right like all these dumb things and i know my sister my oldest sister, she's a hijabi i know one of the other muslim girls in the school came up to her and was like oh i'm sorry your uncle passed away right oh and i'm like god like my dad's friends are your dad and you're like from our community we go to the same masjid you're also a hijabi saying it's to my very hijabi abaya wearing sister what's your deal like yeah. all these little microaggressions and then one like you know when trump was being elected then you see everyone's facebook profile pictures change a little bit and you're like oh i always be mm-hmm. a little bit racist right mm-hmm. very weird stuff um so a lot of little microaggressions over there here and there and i didn't really understand the magnitude of how bad they were until i left and took some space to kind of right. reflect on right um i don't know if you wanted that origin story but i that's no, where my mind was that's that's no that's, that's good i feel like that happened Saw to me you. too when after i because i grew up in long island in new york and it was very white based and i also yeah. had a lot of those microaggressions and like backhanded compliments and just like little to no representation in the school which, which like made me feel left out mm-hmm. and then when i went to college in the city um I just like started seeing more brown people and just started realizing that what I was experiencing wasn't like okay and then I started taking you know like classes on all these different courses in like undergrad and masters and I'm like oh shit like that was not okay and it really affected my childhood and like who I am as a person yeah it's crazy it's crazy you know what what another thing I realized, right? This might be so weird and dumb and off topic, but I kind of was talking about it with my friend the other day, where I'm like, when I was growing up, growing up in high school, right? I thought I was like hideous, right? Mm-hmm. Like just looking wise, I thought I wasn't a good looking kid. I never had a girlfriend in high school, whatever, all that stuff. Um, because whatever, like I just wasn't a beauty standard. 
then when I got to college, I had a girl to hit on me my freshman semester. And I'm like, no, this is fake, right? Mm. This is completely fake. I don't right. believe it. But then I was reflecting on it yesterday or a couple, I was talking to my friend. I'm like, damn, like, I'm not someone's image. And they made me feel really ugly for it, mm. right? But like I had, I don't know, but like they made me feel ugly for it. But then it's all different once you get to college. Mm-hmm. So much is different about it. And I'm like, I really didn't like I didn't realize that until like this yep. past year almost like just passing thought I'm like damn really no, uh, that was probably no, off topic that's, but that's that was just so, an interesting that's so crazy because like so many similar things have happened to me where it's like the beauty standard was like the popular white girls in elementary and high school and it's like when I got to a of school course. that was more inclusive with different cultures and like people were actually looking at me differently I was like wait <laughs> like am I the one in the wrong or are you in the Why? one in the wrong because someone's like something's not making sense you know it's crazy yeah it doesn't it doesn't yeah. it doesn't flow right because you're so you're so like like what's it called you're it's like built in you that mm-hmm. you're not attractive or you're not like yeah wanted right but then it changes once you get into a new system yeah. with inclusion right with a lot of different personalities and ethnicities and i found that so fascinating that there's like a psychology yeah. behind that too yeah. i guess right mm. it's it's very interesting but uh <laughs> uh, let me let me get back to origins because I'm trying to retrace my steps real quick. So I I have a I have two I have a dad mom I have three sisters I grew up with three sisters right so I have all women and mostly women in my family right so that's amazing yeah I don't know <laughs> no no you're good um yeah you know um you know you you had three sisters I, I know we've talked about just uh you grew up with a lot of women and um how do you feel like that has kind of affected the way that you've turned out in like your later years because I grew up with um you know I was really close to my big sister I was really close to my mom I was really Mm -hmm. close to like my little cousin and um you know I didn't have a lot of male influence like that and I think that kind of affected how I got into some of the stuff that I'm into right now so do you think like that played a big a big part just like women in your life you know I I think my wife was telling me this yesterday Right, where she's like, you know, I'm so glad you grew up with sisters, mm. right? Because you you kind of understand yeah. some things that other people don't, right? And I and I do think that like the toxic masculinity in like the brown community comes with brown boys who are too coddled or don't really grow yeah. with, grow up with sisters, mm. right? Um, I I think that's it's such a weird statement, but like, growing up with my three sisters, I remember like my dad wasn't. He was working a lot when, you know, making that American dream come true. Um, so I wasn't around my dad too much, but I was around my two older sisters and one my young, young, my one younger one. I remember specifically, like, I'd wear nail polish with them. I I wanted to play with them. Mm-hmm. I had no guy friends. Mm-hmm. I would dress with them, right? Like, when I was really young, when I was, like, three or four years old. Um, and, you know, it really opened me up that, you know, things like that were okay, you know, to do when I was, especially when you're younger, like, you can have fun with that. But growing up with my sisters a little early on one day, they went to, my oldest sister went to kind of boarding school in England for a bit, Islamic boarding school. But when they came back, you know, I saw how they were and being around them a lot, you know, especially when they were older in high school and I was getting into high school, you know, I kind of understood emotion, kind of being emotional more, being with my mother a lot more throughout the days, being with my younger sister, me and my younger sister, we were close in high school. Then we weren't too close when I got to college. Then we became close recently again over the last couple of years. And I think being close to her specifically after especially my parents' divorce, it really, really helped me connect with, you know, a person in myself that I didn't know existed, you know, like an inner child almost. Right. Right. 
um, that it's okay to be vulnerable. And I always love talking to her about feelings and stuff like that. When normal Desi guys, they don't, right? Because it's either how they were raised, either how they how they were raised, like be this be this like macho man. And I know my dad, he hated the fact that I wasn't mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. you know, this macho person mm-hmm. um, that he wanted me to be, or right. that he was, right? Because I never really wanted to. I, I never took interest in the things he wanted to do. So, and that was mostly because he wasn't in the picture and because he was working so much. So I attached with my sister. So I do think like there's such a big benefit with growing up with girls and surrounding your life with women, especially, especially in your formative younger years where it teaches you respect yeah. of the other gender. It teaches you how to properly act. I know like I taught one year at Islamic school and they're like, oh, like these guys don't know how to interact with girls and everything. And half these kids don't have sisters, right? Because they don't view women as right. like people. It's like the right. weirdest thing to me. Um, I'm probably going to live off track, so you can you, you can you, uh, you said you taught whenever you, you guys want. You said you taught in Islamic school. One year, yes. I didn't know I that. Graduated. What, what, what was that like? I didn't. I didn't know that. Islamic school. Yeah. Um, it's very. So I was I was in one of the best Islamic schools in the state of New Jersey. Uh, they had so many more technology. They're so technology inclusive, more than like I taught a year in Patterson, like I said, and Patterson had nothing. What right? While Islamic school had like the smart boards in oh, there, wow. every student had a laptop, stuff like that. Mm. So it was very like the moms were driving Tessies, like it was weird, right? Mm. I felt broke when I was there, right? Um <laughs> it was weird um but it's so islam school is so weird in the sense that it's might be good for the students but it's not great for the teachers Mm -hmm. right um i was probably one of the handful of certified teachers right i was one of the four men (laughs) teaching wow right um yeah it's weird uh i know for a fact educationally when i was being observed i did not get along with my advisor at all because they completely had a different mindset of education than i did right when you probably know about this education wise where we do student-centered learning right that's like the big push these days student-centered activities even in high school but they wanted Uh, lecture-based right and i can't change myself for that right so it was i was always butting heads and i'm not a very confrontational person i like keeping my bridges intact but that's the only bridge i've ever burned in my life i was like i'm i'm fed up i'm fed up but no it's very the kids are very interesting you see a lot of different personalities there um i do agree that you know islam school and public school are almost identical in the way kids are right it's the kids go through the same experiences. No, I was talking to uh, I was talking to my mom today, and she was telling me because my dad, you know, my my dad's dad um, started an orphanage back in in Dhaka in Bangladesh, and my dad and his family kind of operates it and does all all just like the operational work behind it now, and um, you know, they house maybe like forty fifty kids in there, and. I was just talking to my mom about like, you know, they, they teach Islam, you know, they, they, they teach Arabic to these kids at that time. And my mom was like, oh, um, cause she listened to our last episode or two episodes ago where we talked about our kind of relationship with religion and faith. And I always told my mom, I was like, you know, I wish, 
when we were in Sunday school, when we were in Arabic classes, that they weren't so forceful on just like, this is the way that like this is going to happen and you got to memorize it this way and you got to just memorize everything and it's memorization, memorization, then you got to go pray and it doesn't matter if you don't understand what you're saying, you just got to do it. And I always told my mom, I was like, you know, I wish I was taught like what this religion is even if i um even if i was like seven eight years old and i don't understand the concept of religion i wish there were like teachers that were able to kind of like bridge that gap between like the the uh the detailed learnings of like islam and like being able to teach it to like young kids and i feel like that isn't really emphasized you know i i don't know what it's like in islamic schools and how they go about treating kids or teaching kids about religion i i assume it's a very difficult task but um i was talking my mom and you know i was just telling her you know it's 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 the duty of the teacher to to be able to bridge that gap between like something very Mm -hmm. complex and teaching that to like an adolescent kid and i feel like it's you know also a very skilled talent to be able to do that so the fact that you were able to do that is um i mean i I don't know what age those kids were that you taught but um that's that's very impressive and i think that shows you know a lot of uh what's the word i'm looking for just a lot of a lot of something i i I just admire that (laughs) no i i appreciate that um one thing one thing i do see that's different i like how you brought that up about how religion was almost forced right not forced but they didn't really show the passion Mm -hmm. behind religion right it was that oh follow this because we follow it and everything one thing i do see now especially with my sister and like my nieces and nephews specifically my nieces and nephews is that like their parents are trying so hard to instill a love right a passion not force right they're trying to instill a love for them rather than send them to sunday school and oh do like 10 up and downs if you don't say something properly or or like going mm-hmm. to Quran class every day, they're trying to instill this love for religion for them. And I see that going so much longer than just what we were forced to where our like our parents kind of sent us to Makta, like yeah. weekday classes and Sunday Sunday school and some misogynistic yeah. lectures, right? Like yeah. I see so much and it makes my heart so happy that, you know, people see, people are trying to right the wrongs of That's our so- like our That's fathers so and parents and mothers going back to what you're talking about with the with the women in your life i think one one other thing that i want to mention is you know i don't know too much about just like pakistani culture and pakistani history but i know at least for you know bangladeshi culture it's very ingrained with the arts like the the arts are very incorporated like in and out of of the culture and definitely like poetry and paintings and there are so many notable names and so many notable musicians and it's all kind of like passed down to to like to us and it's just really interesting how like you know that kind of stuff is seen as very notable but still our parents kind of feel some type of way if we want to pursue those types Mm -hmm. of things and like you know we talk so much about like south asian men and how they shouldn't be okay with their feelings and how they shouldn't you know express their emotions to the depth that we do with like poetry but at the same time it's something that's so like beautifully practiced within our cultures and that's kind of a bridge that I like to kind of walk through with my mom to get her to understand a little bit better about why I want to do the things that I want to do and how it's not that abnormal like it's actually Mm -hmm. very um very praised in our culture and it's something it's seen as you know very notable in our culture and you know do you do you kind of um how do you go about the conversation of like telling your parents like this is the kind of stuff that i want to do and i know like it's probably not very normal but you know it's weird man 
it's weird like i my my family in general is a very interesting family like our culture was never put on us first which is one thing i hate because i i do want to learn more i feel like i left something out when i see my wife mm-hmm. and her family mm-hmm. right when they're very cultural and i i wasn't raised with culture i was raised more with religion um and i it is a very feeling of feeling left out but um i didn't my parents didn't know i wrote until like two years ago Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah, I didn't. I don't. I I was in a weird. State. This man said, "Mom, I'm a best-selling author." Surprise! <laughs> I didn't say that. No, it's it's weird because you guys can probably relate. Where it's everything's monetary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I get that. like, I know, like, I I think I mentioned before that like my parents are. I I was talking to Mashnoon yesterday where I was like, oh my, like I had a two point three GPA in high school. Right. And I just wasn't good at academics. My parents never cared that I was bad in school or cared oh, wow. that I was good in school. Right. Really interesting. I just I and it was I don't know what it was with them. I just was never good and I don't know what that was. Um, even though no matter how I tried, but when I got to college, they didn't really force me down this path of like doctor, lawyer, anything. They're like, Oh, can you get into college with that SCP score? Yeah, okay, good. Uh what do you want to be? A teacher. They're like, Okay, do you think you can support family with that? Sure. Okay, do it. Right. Oh wow. Um, very weird. Like, I don't know. I I I hate the way I was raised sometimes, but I think you gotta take one pro out of it sometimes. Um, mm. but when I did mention, I think I mentioned it to my dad once. I'm like, hey, I write books, and I was like, oh, okay, and that was it, right? And then I think I mentioned yeah. it again recently when my sisters mentioned it to him like oh you go be proud of him because he writes books and i was like oh like how many how much money does he make from it right that was it well, and my mom was the same thing, way she's yeah. like she's like oh my mom was like in Urdu, she was like how much money like does it make him more than teaching i was like yeah and i was in grad school last year at the time and she's like why are you in grad school just write books then like that doesn't make any sense for you to wow. even be in grad school that's crazy Interesting. yeah wow. like why are you teaching like my mom calls me like two weeks ago mom's like oh like i was like i'm i'm, I'm i might be looking for a teaching job i'm a little bored at home and i kind of miss the interaction with my kids and she's like how like how was your last royalty check i'm like it was good she's like you have no need to get up like just keep on writing books <laughs> right and my wow. parents were no way supportive of me right and they've never been supportive of me in anything i do and they're not supportive of me in writing. They're just supportive of me because it makes money. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it it's does. it's very weird. Um, they didn't take it badly. Oh, wait, hold up. I have a little. My mom, uh, this is bad. My mom actually did take what offense happened? because uh, I just remembered it right now because I once left my book. Uh, I once left the second book that I wrote like in the living room, like in the foyer or whatever. And my mom comes up, very curious, you know, South Indian moms are very curious of mm-hmm. a, just a book lying there, where it shouldn't be. She flips through it, she goes, sees the acknowledgements, right? Mm-hmm. And her name's not in it, right? And I'm like, that woman did oh, not man. talk to me for three months, right? And so why wouldn't you put my name in my book? Like, do you not care about me? And I'm like, I haven't spoken to you. Like, you didn't even know I write books. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you, wow. like, you know, this is written by me. <laughs> like, it was very, like, it was so weird. Like, that was, yeah. like, she found out I wrote books by finding my book. And she, like, the first thing she had to say was, like, why am I not in it? 
And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, whatever. Instead of like um, actually reading your weird. words, instead of actually reading exactly. your words and supporting you, she just gets hurt. <laughs> exactly. It's very, it's very weird. Uh, the hard. whole, the whole thing was very funny. But like I said, like I didn't have to break it to them that much. It was just more of a doesn't make money. Okay, do it then. Like, Hojo, yeah. be happy, right? Like that yeah. was what it was, and that sucks, right? Yeah. Like. I don't know. I just want my parents to be like, why are you a doctor? Like, come on, like make more money or like do something more with your life. I would love that. But, um, I know, I know my dad's brother, my dad's younger brother, my uncle, he was, he was like, Oh, you know who you're like, you're like my dad. You're like your grandpa. Cause my, your grandpa was a poet. Right. Oh, wow. Like really? I didn't know that. And he was like, yeah, it got passed down to you. My dad didn't say anything to me about that. Right. My uncle. Had At least that's that. something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it was, it's very weird. Um, what about you? What, what did uh, what did your parents think, or what did your mom think? Pretty similar. I mean, my mom has wanted me to be a doctor uh, my whole life. Literally, well, that's interesting. I came out the that's womb different cause... because, like, your parents are saying, like, "Oh, go be something else besides just like your writing." But for you, it's like, yeah, you don't have to do anything besides writing now because that's making money, and it's like that's all the support you're. That's yeah, it. I mean, I mean, before I answer that, I I think like think you're probably like the first brown person i've met that has parents yeah. like that that are just kind of indifferent about it's weird like your and like you know i, I don't want to get like too personal with your business but like you know is that kind of like something that you're striving for like some like just some sort of like deeper acknowledgement from them apart from like good job you're you're making money you like know no of course right yeah. who who doesn't want like their parents to be like oh yeah. great job right like oh i love yeah. i read your book right i love it right i would i would be like i'd be like crying for a week straight if my dad told me that right god i would i would love that or even my mom told me that like i read your book finally right and i'll be like have you had that conversation with them what like read it or not even read it just like you know i wish you were a little bit more like ah that, you know that stuff doesn't you know dissy parents these days at the age i don't know about you my my mom is 62 right my dad's a little bit younger at that age they're just they're kind of stuck you know like i think my sisters have mm -hmm. talked to them about like just changing in general or even after the divorce get some therapy right because that's very important right but it's very it's they're very stuck in their ways at that point and it's very it's sucky to say that like especially with immigrant parents they don't they don't kind of see a point in changing because they've been kind of wired that way for 40, 50, 60 years, which is what sucks. I kind of disagree. You know, like I think like my parents were the exact same mm -hmm. my whole life, but it's literally like beginning of COVID is when my mom started kind of shifting a little bit because that's when I started. I mean, I've been writing for for years and i've done like spoken word for yeah. years and she never took it serious she was just kind of like yeah like whatever go go do what you want to do and um when i started writing a book she didn't take it serious she was like okay cool blah, blah blah and when i published the book she was like okay cool and then like when i got like my first copy and i gave it to her i was like mom i wrote a book she was like oh this is nice and then like i put on amazon like you know i got i was like the the number one release for like yeah. asian poetry, I love that poetry you, this and that yeah yeah, I was I was really surprised, and I was showing my mom this, and I think in that moment is when it like hit her. Hit her. She was like, "Oh, like my son wrote a book, like," and I think that's kind of like my my parents were always like not supportive. They're just like indifferent. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, like do what you want to do. Focus on school. Like make sure you graduate. Like do this stuff whenever you want." 
but like focus on 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 graduating and then when i showed her that stuff then she had to talk to me she was like oh um you know the only people that like succeed with this stuff is like only certain people and you know i don't know if you are one of just not you right oh that's tough exactly so it was just a lot of like you know keep doing it but like you know, this is only meant for certain people. I understand. And, that sucks, though. And, like, I, I take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get hurt by that. I'm just kind of, like, excited to be, like, to show her that, like, I can be one of those people. You of know, course. and I'm, that's kind of what I'm working for. So that was, like, my my kind of thing with it. And, you know, I'm sure she read through it. And, honestly, I don't think she understood, like, to the depth of, like, where I was writing it from. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but, like, it was very, like, devoted to my mother. Of so, course. I mean, regardless, she'll probably just be happy about it. But, um, very, uh, very interesting process for yeah. sure. Moho, but, what um, about you? I'm but, very, I'm very curious about what your parents thought. I honestly, like, my parents didn't take my art or my business seriously for a very long time. Like, what you said, until I got money from it. But even then, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, you still have to get master's. You still have to get an actual job. Uh... And then when I moved out, and even a little bit before that, my parents kind of started, you know, turning around and saying, like, oh, you know, we're happy that you're doing what you love and you're doing, like, a good job at it. And, like, I never got that praise before, but I think, like, having the distance from my parents, like, made them realize just how much I was doing. And, mm-hmm. like, now that my mom watches my YouTube videos, like, she sees what I'm doing, like, outside of just, like, talking to her. So, like, she's able to see, like, you know, the success and, like, what I'm doing behind the scenes. And now she's, like, at a point where it's, like, oh, you're doing a lot. Like, you don't have to get a teaching job right after master's. Like, master's is, like, a good enough accomplishment, you know? And it's, like, I think I got them to that point because of the distance first, but also just, like, rebelling. Because <laughs> I, like, rebelled against and that's good, everything. Yeah. And you're the oldest child, or yeah, I'm the oldest, and I have a younger brother. Yeah, you need to you need to rebel. Yeah. <laughs> that's on you. That yeah. sucks, but that's on you. I know, I know. And I I think like wh- whatever path like the three of us took, like you know we we're all happy with where we are today, and like that bond with our parents is is gonna just get you know more connected over time. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I you know bring it back to what I said before. Um, you know, my mom didn't start changing until really recently. Even my dad didn't start changing until really recently. So like you saying that, like they don't change in their sixties. I think that's the prime time for them to change because like their kids are, are, they're not kids anymore. They're grownups. And like, they, they take our way, they take our words with like a lot more weight on Mm -hmm. their shoulders. Now they don't just kind of see us as like frolicking kids, especially when like, you know, we we're paying our own bills We're we're making Mm -hmm. this much money, da da da. And you know, they, they take us a lot serious a lot more serious nowadays and especially my mom does and my mom listens to um you know she listens to every episode of my podcast like she when i when i posted my painting she facetimed me immediately she's like oh what are you doing you did a painting and now she just kind of gets like a little a little happy about it and you know this this wasn't going on like two years ago two years ago we were arguing every single day so i mean like you know not to get in your business but i think that conversation might you know it, it, the the time might be coming you know yeah. I, I don't want that to um no I, I don't want that to like not be a thought for you yeah. i don't want you to think that like it's not possible no and i do appreciate you bringing it up when i was kind of saying that they refuse to change i was personally like person right i was like my parents probably don't want to change right um mm. it's very it's kind of like a cycle with my parents so i mean it's you're hopeful right you're like personally myself i'm yeah. hopeful that there is change because I don't care how much my parents have done or haven't done, right? If my parents generally want to change for the better, I will be their first person, right? And I'll mm-hmm. give them a chance yeah. no matter how many times, 
I get screwed over, I will always give them a chance. But I mean, who knows? Like life is short and long at the same time. Like 60 is a young age and an old age. It's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just pray, you know, I just pray that, you know, they do realize that it's, you know, they, they need to change as their kids get older. Right. As so they get older. Too. It is a very, yeah. As they get older too. And that like both of your stories give me hope that it's like, it's right around the corner or in a couple of years, at least that, yeah. you know, hopefully they do realize that, you know, it's, it's time to stop treating the child like the young adults that we raise like children yeah and more like adults yeah. which yeah. is a very interesting thing yeah like trust me like i never i never thought that i'd get to this point with my parents and i know mashoon was like yeah. like both of us we were in this point in our lives i think like a year and a half ago before we moved out where it's like things are never going to get better like we're always going to be in this in this um state with our parents mm-hmm. and it's it's so crazy like what happened in like a few months and like yeah. it really changed like our mental health and like our relationship with them and just with a few small steps that like take a lot of time but yeah cool awesome so next i just i wanted to talk a little bit about um about your new yeah. book bro you you just published your your i hate book. that we're bringing this um, up like so you know, we, late <laughs> <laughs> yo the 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 timeline for this episode is all over yeah. the place i'm, I'm so, so sorry, sorry. I, I, but... I i take some blame for that because i I go, I go it's everywhere. Fine. That's my. I, no, no, you're. I'm. I'm enjoying it. I hope. I hope. No, I. I'm enjoying too, this but, too. I like our conversation. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you're. You're. Um. You're. You're an amazing poet. You're an amazing author. I own three of your books. I'm excited to read your new one. Um. I want you to talk a little bit about you know, your writing style. Um. Where like the inspiration for your poetry comes from. Of course, you know, you have different subject matters in in each one of your poetry books and you kind of write about everything but you know what is it that you like to write about what is it that you're kind of like proud about Mm -hmm. for this book and you know just just talk about your new book a little bit ah i appreciate that you're a better writer than me i i I read like i'm over like (laughs) here here they go here they go stop playing with me i I are you kidding me i am nowhere near how good you are so I, i'm trying to work wait do you out. have oh, any professional nah. experience with writing like did you major in english or anything or writing i did <laughs> i did a lot of history and teaching but i did take a lot of writing classes i've taken a lot of independent writing classes i'm uh-huh. applying for my mfa in poetry right now so i'm oh, wow. trying yeah. to get there trying wow. um this man's going the opposite the opposite route he's now he's a best-selling author and now he's gonna you know i i wrote my essay about that well i'm like you know like i have four books and i'm trying to learn how to write better and i'm like i hope you don't think i hope you don't think i'm like that's funny dick right or like no i i love the fact that you are open to learning more stuff even though you're on that high status already the thing is i like it's i i have this mindset where i always need to improve myself and it's like it was like Mashnu listened to other podcasts, I talked about it where my dad kind of like hammered it into me, where it was like, like almost like you're never going to be good enough and always strive to be the best, right. but you're never going to reach it, right? And that's such a toxic. I went to therapy last week, and I'm like, I want to break that because it feels like I'm never good enough, right? Yeah, I'm always too. fighting to be good enough. Yeah, it's it's the worst. But um, I genuinely, genuinely want to learn everything i can about poetry i want to be i want to strive to be the best even if i get there or don't get there i think that's very important um and i also think it's important to never think you are on top of everything because 
that's how you kind of plateau on everything mm-hmm. right i think yeah that's a big thing but um let me let me go back to the question so writing style yeah. right so yeah, serenity yeah. I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to keep track of myself so <laughs> i so i never really took english seriously i never did in my life right and i got into college and my second semester i almost failed my intro to english class right um oh wow that's what people don't know like i i really struggled with this stuff i didn't know how to spell words properly i didn't know how to where to put my punctuation my commas everything i was like i just never cared about english because it never really like sat well with me Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm. um but i like i was with my professor in the literature class whatever and he was a poet from Colombia, MFA and stuff. And we started reading Sylvia Plath. Mushroom, um, are you familiar with Sylvia Plath? I know the name. I haven't read anything, though. So I I heard of her very vaguely. But her the poem that caught me was called Daddy, right? Um, and, you know, freaking daddy issues. I related to it, right? Like, it just, like, it mm. just kind of spoke to me. Because in the poem, she was like, talking about her suicide attempts mm, and i think i know her, what you're talking you know about. she yeah it's one of her famous ones and um like her dad she compared her dad to being a nazi right and all these different things and i was reading it and i'm like why like that's so bad but why is she doing that so i went home and i like kind of researched about her life to see what was going on and it really spoke to me what she was writing about she wrote her about like her dad being a nazi and a bad person because he died when she was younger and she felt abandoned right um the vague like wording of being stuck in a hole was her second suicide attempt where she dug herself in a hole for three days right it was i'm like wow like i learned so much about her and i was so curious from just reading like parts of her work right and i and i was always writing Right. I was in a I was in like I went to one club meeting in high school for poetry. Didn't really like it because I can't rhyme for my life. Um, I never went again, but I was always interested in it. I would always kind of write poetry offhand. But I think reading it in a formal setting, and I'm like, you know what? I wanna do this. I wanna do, mm. I wanna write like her. Right. And then I started going off and started writing about it, writing about stuff that, you know, hurt me or were like lingering in my head. And with that, I started learning more and more about the craft and more 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 and more about poetry um the modern greats like uh i was telling much yesterday kavya akbar um ocean buong yeah. the the legends like william carlos williams and um i'm blanking on the legends uh damn i sound dumb <laughs> like uh, but uh like rumi i was about to, i was about to pick rumi, up uh, rumi Hafiz, the, the yes. rumi book, yeah i love the rumi book i and that's like most of my inspiration comes from Rumi, right? Where mm-hmm. I like the way when he writes about, you know, God, right? Where he's specifically saying, like, he's using certain words that make you think that he's talking about someone else. But he's not yeah. talking about someone else. He's talking about God. And that's where that's where I started writing that. Like, I took that writing style from him mostly, where I'm like, I want people to read my book and be like, oh, I'm thinking about my the person I love. Or I'm thinking about my dad right now, or my kid, or my dog, or my cat, right? Or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where my inspiration comes from. I love Rumi. I have his books just sitting there. Um, and then that kind of... No, that's something that I that's something that I, that I wish I did more in my book. Because like, I was really specific with who I was writing about. Mm-hmm. It was like, my mother, dot, 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 or my sister, dot, dot, dot. And I uh-huh. wish I just used more like relatable terms. Because 
you know, I, I think when you when you specify stuff like sure, it helps me out more. But, you know, if I want the reader to be more connected with what I'm saying, you know, I should have really thought that through a little bit more. And I was about to pick up the roomy book when when me and Mo went, went were in uh were in Brooklyn, we went to a bookshop and I saw it and I don't know why. I think um I think I just kinda told myself like it's not time yeah. yet. I don't <laughs> know. Like I'm not in a big like reading kind of phase at the moment. And I think it'll come soon. You know, maybe maybe after I pick up your book, I just haven't like read anything at all. And I just picked up a book from my from my parents' house. There's a there's an old ass book just about like the history of Jerusalem. And my mom uh-huh. was telling me about this book that was just like in a random bookshelf. And I picked it up and it re- looked really interesting. I'm planning on reading it tonight. But um, but yeah, going back to what I was saying, um, yeah, R- Rumi is amazing, and I've read kind of like stuff here and there, and I see a lot of that influence in your writing specifically. So, um, yeah, um, sorry, I literally just cut you off. Continue. No, you're no, you're good. No, you're good. Cause I like how you brought up your writing style. Because I I find like when it comes to more formal poems, right? Like MFA, like respectable work in quotes, because every work is respectable. Yeah. But what people academically like is stuff that you right. write, right? You, Mushroom, right? right? personal stuff if you read ocean Wong's books he's writing about being a kid in vietnam he's writing about being gay he's writing about things that he's done in his youth right he's not trying to be relatable right. he's trying to get people to care about him right that's what it is i i shouldn't say wording like that but he's trying to get people to hear his story right and that's one thing i in my third book i did that praise of my youth i try to get people to hear my story um I'm trying to fix my wording to get more like majestic or. And that's my favorite book of yours. I I, I see a lot of similarity with that book. I read it. I told you I read it on the Mm -hmm. plane ride to to New York. And I saw a lot of similarity with that book with with mine. And that's my favorite one of yours. Maybe because that's just like my intended like writing style that I like to read. Uh But um, I I like it when you write about that subject matter. But I know you've mentioned like that's not kind of what the mass is like. And it's always this battle of like making something that you're happy with and making something that the readers are happy with. It's hard, especially I'm not like sales are one thing, but having that respectability and like um what am i trying to say like that like where people want your book they want your yeah they want your words right i personally don't have that i don't have readers saying i want the new fsu's of book right they i have a couple couple hundred people maybe not however much like people think right so um I don't even know where I was going with this. What the heck was I trying to say? Sorry, what, I lose what my you, train of What do you think? No, you're good. What do you think increases like that? Like, how do you get more people to be excited about like your next book? Is it just being more personable in your writing? I think it's personable. I think, you know, I'm going to be straight. I think what Mahua is doing is so smart because if you get people to like your personality, that's it. Yeah. If you, if you market yourself, yeah. which you are doing really well at, then guess what? You can create anything you want. You know, it's it's, it's crazy because it. I was talking to Mashun about this and we were talking about how like last year I was just posting art, strictly art on my Instagram and like no yeah. one knew who I was. And then I started posting myself more and exactly. like everything else. And like it, I've been able to gain more traction because people have been supporting me because of my personality and just because they want exactly. to see me succeed. And it's crazy that like, a lot of business or businesses or a lot of people just like put stuff out there but they don't put like their actual like being or like personality into what they put out so it's like they can't really get too much traction after that because it's like it's just the words you know but at the end of the day exactly. you can get so much more if like there's a personality behind it and like a 
like a human behind it, you know? You can create so much more. You can come out with a clothing line and art and this and that, yeah. right? Rather than just an art page and then a clothing exactly. line page which you need to ground build the ground exactly. up from. So I think people rooting for you, right? That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Right? People getting the word out about you. And I think that's I think that's the toughest thing to market yourself. Yeah. Because what if people don't like you? Then what do you do? Right? Like you just kind of have to crawl in a mm-hmm. hole and like just kind of mm-hmm. go on your way. But which is what I'm saying, like to create that rooting or that readership for you you have to be someone that people want to read about that's what it is especially when it comes to poetry and i don't know i'm just not really good at social media i'm just kind of just there for vibes (laughs) and fun and stuff but um it is very interesting because i do like writing like you said uh about prayers in my youth i love writing those kind of poems longer poems mm-hmm. stuff about me stuff that i relate to and love and care about i love writing i about feel like them. that drives your I don't passion find... too it does it really it's the, creating stuff you care mm-hmm. about is so beautiful because it re-energizes right me, right it like you're doing stuff for yourself and i haven't marketed praise of me at all mm-hmm. but it's still my one of my best books i've written in my opinion mm-hmm. even though i don't need to market it because i'm like whatever i don't care what happens right. to it um, I've fallen away from the smaller writing when it came to writing serenity, right? Um, I was in a very hectic state. Uh, I was in grad school. I was teaching full time and I was trying to write, right? I was trying to garner some sales or whatever. I remember specifically last year, my agent texted me cause I pitched prayers in my youth and my agent was like, listen, they don't want prayers in my youth. They don't think it's a book for them because it's there's topics that they don't like wow. right i took i took so much offense yeah I, I like i don't take offense to anything i don't get hurt that easily but i was like i was like you know what i'm gonna publish it right now i don't give up yeah blind yeah. f like i'm publishing it right now and he's like don't do it and i'm like i don't care i'm impulsive as hell so i'm gonna do yeah. it so i did it that day i published wow. it right and um so my agent's like okay you're dumb but do you have another <laughs> idea and I'm like, yeah, I have this book idea called Serenity. And he was like, okay, I'm going to send it over to them. And like, he's like, do you know what it's going to be about? I'm like, no, he's like, I'll make something up for you. Right. So he pitched <laughs> Serenity without me ever kind of like backing it entirely and, and entirely without them ever seeing a word of it. They're like, okay, fine. I'll give him a deal. Right. Give him a book deal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's due in on June 1st. Get it to us by then. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very weird. Um, and then I was just trying my best to write it as much as I can. I wrote most of it from May 15th to June 1st. Cause oh, May, 15th wow. my, May 15th was my move-in date and June 1st was when it was due. And then June 15th was my wedding day. Oh my it God. Was I cannot imagine. That. Uh, how many, po- how many poems you write? What was that two weeks? I didn't, the those? thing is I didn't write, right. I didn't write like new poems cause it was, I, I was, uh, you you didn't follow me then, and I doubt Mahua knew me then either. From 2015 to 2018, I was posting a brand new poem every day. Every single day on my typewriter, right? I was doing that every single day, and I loved it. It was very pretentious, very clicky. People would, like, say, oh, you're copying my style, but I would, like, keep on doing it, even though I wasn't copying (laughs) my style. People were just weird about that stuff. Um, But I would do it, and I think by 2018... I amassed, well, guess how many followers I had by 2018? Three years of posting every single day of my life. 
I would hope it's a lot, but it was probably like five thousand or something. I would think it's like like fifteen thousand. It was like four or five thousand. Really? Like and <sighs> it was it was not that much. It was, and I was, I was like. At that point, I had such an unhealthy mindset with social media that I would like get panic attacks if I didn't post a yeah, poem a day. I get that. Right? I would get such bad panic attacks. And I was like, fuck it, I'm publishing a book because yeah. I'm missing this semester, <laughs> right? So <laughs> so I I just I just went through all my social media posts and just like published Euphoria really quickly. And then mm. back when Sincerely or Serenity, I was looking at Serenity, I mostly looked at older poems that did well, right? Mm. Or even if they weren't poems in like the grand scheme of academic wording, right? They were just sentences broken up. I'm like, I'm going to put this in because I don't care, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like, it doesn't relate to me anymore because I wrote it when I was like 21, but it might relate to someone out there, right? So that's what I mostly did. I just kind of reused old poems that people never looked back on or never read again or never just forgot or just forgot about, right? Um. But the longer poems that you're going to see in there are almost all new because I love writing longer stuff. It's just the shorter stuff is so hard for me. And I was trying to create a healthy balance between shorter and longer because I feel like my audience these days are so split between the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you can't please everyone. Some people like longer. You can't please everyone. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You really can't. And it's tough. Um, but that's that's the process of serenity. I love serenity. I think it came out beautiful. I think Swade oh, killed it. Oh, he did it, so right? amazing. He's, he, shout out if to you Swade. Look at, oh, shout out to Swade always. If you look at if you look at all four books, he's done illustrations for all four of my books, mm-hmm. right? Oh, if shit. you look at the growth between Sincerely, Euphoria, Praise of My Youth, and Serenity, outstanding from what he's done mm-hmm. for Serenity. I think he's he's the best, one of the best artists in the yeah. game. And if he wasn't becoming a dentist, he could have I keep telling easily, him that too. I keep telling him that. I've told him this too. It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, he loves teeth. Good for, <laughs> Good for him. him. I love that he loves teeth. He can be mm-hmm. my dentist. I told teacher. him. I, I was like, I was like, either you <laughs> become a dental influencer or you become an artist. Because at this point, you're just doing it. Yeah, he can be like a TikToker. That yeah, exactly. There like you go. In the, exactly. In, the opera, in between you know, surgery. I, there you go. In between surgery. I love it. Um, And I think. Me and him are definitely gonna have inshallah a great future together with publishing inshallah. books because I think he is one of the greatest illustrators inshallah. when it comes to yeah, I agree creating stuff inside or especially South Asian ones. I agree. So I really want to know your like, like the the growth between the first book to your book now, like the inspiration and what drives you. So you kind of talked about your inspiration like writer wise. So does religion uh-huh. drive you with your writing and rom like I know there's a lot of romance. So what really drives you? Uh-huh. What drives me in books? Yeah. So religion, I think a better understanding of myself, mm-hmm. right? Like when I create books, I was I'm gonna bring up therapy again because I think it's important. Of course. And every brand book should go to therapy. So sure. shout out. So um, I was, I was, I spoke about this in therapy, and my therapist was like, "How many books do you have out on the floor?" And she's like, "I'm like that, like the next one that released was yesterday, and she, or release was yesterday." And she's like, "Oh, cool." And she said, "What are they about?" And I told them what each one is about, and she's like, "So you essentially wrote a poetry book for every important kind of segment of your life." Hmm. I'm like, "Stop! Don't talk anymore. <laughs> I don't like this, right?" Like, yeah. Um, it just doesn't i was like sincerely i was trying to propose it was a very big love year for me prayers of youth it was a very religious like 
nihilistic existential crisis year for me, especially with COVID and everything. Um, so I was trying to make sense of religion for myself. Um, Euphoria was just a messy year in general, but I still love that book with all my heart. And Serenity is just like, I'm trying to find peace in everyday life. I'm trying to find, I'm just trying to make sense of stuff, right? But right. you said growth, right? Yeah, just like, are there similarities and are there um, just like common themes between all of the of the books? And yeah, you know, just like what really drives you every single day? And on top of that, like, how do you feel you've yeah. grown as yeah. a writer? You know, I think I'm more insecure <laughs> now that I'm just playing. Uh, it's definitely, <laughs> I have gotten a little bit more in my head about writing. I'm not, I'm going to be serious about right. that. Like I do question my words a little bit more these days. Yeah. Um, cause I mm. want to understand the kind of message I'm sending out because in the past, when I have written something, people have taken it the wrong way, which is completely, I don't it know. Comes it's very, it's it comes weird. with the fame. It comes with the fame. Not fame. Like, like for example, I, I wrote something, love, I can't remember the poem, but people are like, oh. Um, this isn't good if like I like people are abused. I'm like, no, I know that, but I'm not talking about yeah. it. Like people relate to themselves. That's just people to being annoying. I, I guess, but I also want to hear them, right? I also want to be okay, I have right. to watch specifically that. That's the issue that kind of comes with right. it. But definitely growth as a writer. Um it's I don't just kind of write off that initial feeling or that initial instinct, right? I take more time to go back and edit feelings or edit my poems to make sure I'm getting the right wording across or I make sure like I have, I'm a little bit more smarter with my words or less mm -hmm. amateurish, mm -hmm. right? I think that's a better way to put it. Um, if you look through all my books, I have chapters now, right? Like I realize mm -hmm. people love sections because it's easier to digest and you put all right. poems in a theme in a certain section. Um, and I feel like that that was more of the author industry type of growth in me, where it was like, I had to learn what people like, I had to learn what kind of covers work right. for people. Um, so it's very, it's all so interesting. Um, in general, I have no idea if I answered the question, but I just like, <laughs> no, you're no you, I think you're good. I think like when when it came to when it came to like my writing journey in my book I had poems that I've I've I wrote when I was like 15 16 years old like I mm. had them for a long time and um to think that like you're 25 you just published your fourth poetry book and you talking about how like you posted every single day for 3 years I can't ever imagine writing that much cuz it took me uh, like a lifetime to write the book that I wrote and like uh -huh. and, like Mo knows like I write a poem like once every two months like i i take a long time in between because i just can't like i i hate and like we talked about this yesterday on the phone like i hate the process of like like i i love writing poems but i hate the process of making the poem because i hate mm -hmm. putting myself back and like reassessing that situation that i'm writing about so like what would you say to someone someone being us who like face us a lot with like just like artist block and how do you kind of like jump over that hurdle of like just trying to get something done because before you answer i also watched this like episode of this show called um the art of design on netflix i don't know mm -hmm. if you've watched it but um I've heard in of the it, first yeah. episode the first episode they they talked to like this this professional illustrator and he was just talking like um he was saying something along the lines of you know if if you want to just kind of like draw or write or do whatever for fun that's totally cool but if you want to do this professionally, like you really have to like wake up and like practice your craft like every single day. Like, you have to like yeah. you have to like hit the boxing mat mats every single day. Like you really have to 
do whatever you can to jump over that hurdle and that's something that like I want to do this like fairly professionally but I also don't ever expect myself to be able to write every single day so like all in all like how do you write every single day so I think it's important I was reading this book right and it's Stephen King's on writing right um it's a great book I think everyone should read it um to be a professional you do have to write every day right you do like I one of the fantasy writers I literally am in love with Brandon Sanderson he writes eight hours a day right eight hours a day four hours, and morning, four hours a night crazy gets so many words down and he actually came out with this video the other day where he's like i have a confession i was lying to everyone right he writes okay keep in mind this man writes a 500 page book a year right this man between the, between the times of quarantine to now has written five secret novels for fun <laughs> and he and he kick-started Stupid. it to make 23 million dollars in four days self-publish it <laughs> Yes, you're lying. I That's search it right. up. I I'm in love with him. He Holy deserves shit. a whole. He's he deserves it wholeheartedly because I'm in love with him. He's a phenomenal writer. He's a professional, right? That's the yeah. stuff that he does. But yeah. I think I I my personal ideology is sometimes things don't have to be so serious, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, in Stephen King's on writing, he was like, "Yes, you have people like me who are professionals, like Stephen, like Stephen King. I write three thousand words a day." I, this is what I want to do and I find joy and love doing it. But why do you have some writers who have written one book in their lifetime and nothing else? Right? Because they wrote it specifically because they enjoyed writing it, but they didn't find like a need to write more. Right? And that's what I think it is um, to find like purpose in your work. Right? Yeah. But professional stuff, I want to preface, I want to preface that before. I don't write every day. I do not. I think I wrote a poem 30 minutes before I came on here. And that was my <laughs> first poem in five days. Right? That's I'm not practically every single day. I've not written a poem since I released <laughs> my book. <laughs> no, and that's okay. And that's completely okay. Like it's yeah. it's all like I was like I mentioned this author Ocean Vuong, right? I love his work. Yeah. I I am so jealous of his work. And I mentioned him to you yesterday as like, if you want to learn phenomenal writing, that's going to blow you and me and everyone out of the water, read his work. Right. Mm. It was, I was, I was just stalking him on Instagram. I was going through his Instagram Q and a stories. This is an MFA. He's an MFA boy from New York, highly respected mm. in the industry. And mm. people are like, how many, how long did it take you to write your first collection? First collection had 99 poems, maybe less because of the pages, 99 pages long. Guess how long it took him to write his first collection? A long eight time? Years. Eight years. Yeah. Wow. Eight years it took him to write his first collection. Yeah. And yeah. he said, they said, oh, how many poems do you write in a year? So that was a question. And he's like, five on a good mm-hmm. year. I wrote I wrote five poems this last year, right? How many? I can't even do math, right? That's like one poem like every two months, yeah. maybe a little bit more, right? Two in a week, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's so, I think it's so subjective to everyone, right? Yeah. Where you can be a professional, you can feel like a professional writing eight hours a day, or you can feel like a professional working two hours a day, or one poem every two months, right? Yeah. But that's the thing. I think you are allowed yourself a break because I feel like so many priorities have changed throughout time. Um, I'm by no means working like a professional. I wish I was because I know I could get so much work out, but I know that's that like almost at a hindrance 
to my quality of work I'll put out. Yeah. If that I, makes sense. I was at a point when I, when I was just doing art every single day and just pushing out art even when I didn't feel like doing mm-hmm. it. And at, the, at one point, I was just so burnt out and I realized that like I was making art that I wasn't even passionate about and it's like it defeats the whole purpose exactly. of making it. So now I'm like kind of just doing it on my own pace and just so much better for my mental health and that's okay exactly and that and burning out is the worst Mm -hmm. one thing i i think i genuinely hold close to myself when it comes to writing like a professional in quotes is like um this write or create anything you want for 15 minutes in a day you have 24 hours take 15 minutes put your phone away do everything and just write or create or draw or do anything you Mm -hmm. want don't it's not a journal entry it's anything you want and then put that away you can come back later on and like edit it or take the segment out and make it into a poem or a story or a novel and you don't know what you can get out of those 15 minutes right that's the bare that that should be the bare minimum that you write something every day Mm -hmm. right even if it's not amazing yeah or the best right or create something every day. I know yeah. Mo Mo loves journaling. She always tells me about. I love journaling know, how, too. Yeah, I love journaling. Yeah, oh. and she made me she made me get a planner, and I never used to schedule out anything, and I still you know skip days sometimes. But you know, I I know she's really big on planning stuff out and really writing stuff down, and how much that mm-hmm. really that really does help you out. And that kind of connects to like just like the we've been yapping away for like a super long time, but um. That connects to just like one of the last kind of things I wanted to touch on is, um, you know, you mentioned it before is, is just a therapy and taking care of your mental health as mm-hmm. a South Asian male. Um, you know, real quick, um, you know, what what have you seen is are is slash are the benefits of therapy? And what would you say to somebody, you know, that looks like us, you know, a, a brown skinned boy who is like, oh, you go to therapy, you're, you're this, you're that, you know, what would you say to that person? Uh, I don't know. I'm not very confrontational, so I probably wouldn't say anything. But in, yeah. in ge- <laughs> no, I think I don't know. I I would just say try it out. Like go talk once or twice. At least get those like those unhealthy stigmas out. Because in general, I feel like everyone does need therapy. Even if you think you don't, even if you think you're completely unhealthy, there's some things that you're gonna have issues mm-hmm. with, right? Or anxiety mm-hmm. with, right? If someone's like saying, if you go to therapy or this and that, I don't think I can help them. I think they're just, they're just insane. Yeah. They need mm-hmm. therapy, but they're just don't want to get you. it. Um, but, you know, personally, I know we spoke about this yesterday. Therapy for me has been a blessing, right? Um, I started going very early on in 2015. Oh, wow. um, college, because I was broke, right? I was so broke. Um, mm. But college is free. So why not? I was paying for college. And I realized that it not only like saved my life, but also saved my mentality and my future because I can wholeheartedly say I'd be on such a self-destructive path um, to myself and maybe to the people around me if I wasn't in therapy. Because I even to this day, and one of the big reasons why I went back to therapy is because I started getting self-destructive like inklings again, right? Like things that shouldn't be there, but kind of came back. So I feel like, for me personally, I would, I'll, if someone came up to me and said, like, what are the benefits of therapy? I'll just tell them my life story, be, or not my life story, but like a shortened version, which I just spoke about right, right now, because I feel like everyone does have unhealthy, unhealthy habits. Anyone can, any, everyone can kind of benefit off therapy in a way. Um, even though you think you can't, it can change your mindset to be better. It can get you 
you know, just better habits, better, healthier habits. And I think that's the beautiful part about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you have the access to going to see a therapist, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I I always advise people to, especially Uh like people that look like us. Um, even if you're like super close, close off to it, just consider it. And it's so much more than just like getting help for like the, uh, like the dark emotions or whatever Trauma, it's also right? like it it's also like it, really good advice for just like maneuvering yeah, right? through life it's in literally general. A, like it's like a third person right that's not yeah. has nothing to do with your issue just telling you what you we should be feeling is right or wrong right or what you should do and i feel like yeah. that advice goes such a long way because i remember specifically there was this one week where i went to therapy and throughout life i've been very content that's it like i've never been happy or sad or at peace mm-hmm. right but i remember one week in the summer or not in the summer but last summer i i especially remember i was like damn i feel good like that's it like i felt good and i was very chipper i was very up and i went to my therapist that weekend i'm like why do i feel good like what's the reason nothing happened like my i saw issues with my parents right my, I have to move out next week. I don't have a job yet. What's the issue? Why am I so happy? And she's like, therapy's working. That's all I can say. Like, you're yeah. subconsciously, it's just working. And I'm yeah. like, damn. You know, it's it's damn. also like, so, if, if you're complaining, I'm not talking about you, but like anyone in general, like if they're complaining about yeah. their family, like their parents, and it's like, oh, I'm never going to be like them. I never want to give this life to my kids, like blah, blah, blah. It's like you going to therapy is going to end that trauma and that generational like cycle. And exactly. it's like you can't expect to pass on a good life to your kids if you haven't healed yourself, you know? So it's like exactly. I wish it wasn't so taboo because it can help you so much in the long run and like the future generations as well. Exactly. And, you know, I've, I've actually heard from brown kids, right, where they're like, I, I don't know why I was talking to these people, but they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like. I think it's okay to hit your kids because look how I turned out. I'm like, dude, you want to hit kids? Uh, I don't think that's a good uh, thing. Like, right, right. Like, you should go get help. Like, yeah, uh, like it's a very right. like that's such an important thing that you bring up because generational trauma is a big thing with mm-hmm. every ethnicity, right? Um, we just don't hear about it because South Asian in like the ethnicity is so massive when you hear so much about it because we're in mm-hmm. it. But, like, if you can end that trauma for your kids, God, you know how much I would hate myself if my future kids hated me, right? Or, mm-hmm. like, didn't, like, or I just became my parents because I didn't get over the stuff I did or stuff that I went through. That would be so, like, that would be heartbreaking if I realized yeah. it, right? Like, but I think that's such an important point that you bring up. And I think that if it's not for yourself, you know, bring it up for your future, mm-hmm. right? Go to therapy because you want to have a better life for your mm-hmm. future, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh man that was a lot an hour enough that was a, i don't know um, what we talked just, about we blacked out no just yapping on the last hour <laughs> blacked out i don't know um so so usually usually with our guests we have um really quick just lightning fire fire round questions we got some for you mm-hmm. we got some lined oh, up no. mo has them written down don't don't think about it too much you know we're just gonna ask you first thing that comes to your head you know yeah don't do that thinking you get five seconds the answer and the next one I, I, i'll probably think don't about it but okay five yeah how many five uh he's gonna count <laughs> he's down gonna count. <laughs> okay. nah, just wh- whatever, whatever comes, comes up all right okay. first one favorite thing about teaching um, i'm getting anxious the kids just like interacting with them 
yeah it's fun like chatting yeah. with them like you know what me and, me and you related with this one because like we're both teachers and he's in high school i'm in elementary school and i think the favorite thing hands down is also the kids and i get so much inspiration from them and it's like so they're teaching me so much oh, oh my I god love it. you're like, probably a um, cool ass teacher would you oh you're probably I like that cool guy best yeah. <laughs> i yeah. was the best teacher i, I know it, it. I can see it. how how old I, were you when you were teaching i was 23 24 25 mm, yeah that's crazy i love no i was teaching when i was 22 so i loved it like i was teaching kids that are 18 19 oh wow oh that's my so God. sick yeah. though that's yeah so you're like the older it's uncle, stressful older brother. yeah and that's the thing like um, and kids like i have to think that they said i didn't know like came out of kids' mouth yeah like i was like mm. that's funny yeah that's that's good you're giving me comebacks to say to my friends <laughs> or something like <laughs> do you, you, know, do you get a lot of support do you get a lot yeah. of support from like your old students for like your books and stuff my islamic school kids surprising me Aww. like i still see them around mm. i like them i'm very like i'm not close to them per se but i was like we're all just homies. That's oh, what it was. Like I play frisbee so basketball so. with them to this day. They all message me when I book when my book reads like, oh my God, like I'm like, call me Farhan, don't call me Mr. Yusuf anymore. I'm not your teacher. That's crazy. Right? Huh? Like, oh my god, Farhan, I like I'm congrats on your new book. We pre-ordered it. I'm like, nah, like wow. I love I love my Islamic school kids despite me not liking school yeah, itself. That's so sweet. Yeah. All right. Number two, ideal off day. Off day? Yeah, like your ideal day that you have no you got you got nothing to do yeah. you got you got nothing to do a, a, a fat check just came in the mail oh, what's going on that's gonna be every, i'm kidding uh <laughs> i would i would definitely go go to coffee shop and get some coffee i wouldn't i if i say i'm reading what's book, the order uh i we need details what's I the order? Get, if i'm starbucks i'm drinking cold brew um if uh-huh. i'm going bubble tea it's uh if i'm going bubble tea it is grapefruit green tea with coconut jelly and bubbles if oh, i wow. if i go to <laughs> Yeah, if I go to any other coffee shop, it's a it's like a cold brew, just in general. Like you guys are literal like imitations of one another, sickening. I know. I don't get no caramel though. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get, I get what's skip the caramel. I get what's best. That's all I'm gonna say. Ah man. Yeah. Uh, Um. What else? Whatever. Continue. If I'm saying if I'm reading a book, I'm a total. I'm a liar. I don't read books, or I struggle. (laughs) I struggle with reading books. But I would. I'll pay some. You'll bring the book. I bring the book for the aesthetic, right? Uh, Yeah. take a picture i would uh i definitely play some video games i chill with my wife if she's not working either if she's not working i'll chill with her but if she's working and i'm just off then i'll probably go into the city walk around and take some pictures because i generally like walking around just taking film pictures because that's like fun you know your your wife is cool as hell yeah you know so cool you know you know how many times i like i went to call house people like oh my god you're your sister's husband <laughs> right like six or seven times in like a span of three months i was so hurt by it so many as you like, should you have to be funny. humbled the first time it was funny but the second third fourth fifth time like i remember one girl was like oh my god you're your husband and then suede was there. suede was like ah like <laughs> like he does his own thing and she's like oh wait no he doesn't do anything right he just her husband right and i'm like ah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you don't do anything that's I what machine thing's gonna happen too it will. Yeah, it absolutely. Will. I, but you know what? I, I tell her I'm so excited to just do nothing with my life, so I could just chill at home, I make like some that. coffee all day long. <laughs> but my, but you know, the good thing about it, my homies are all like, you know what? She's she's for Han's wife. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Like all that's right. the point. Mm-hmm. All right, no, yeah. they gotta they that's gotta it. humble you too. <laughs> no, they do. No, trust me. Nah, she, she's super cool though. 
Yeah, no, no. My wife, my wife's a killer, bro. Her, she's killing the fashion scene. I'm so proud of her each and every day. Amazing. Um, yeah. But I'm excited to see what she'll accomplish because I know, I know, damn right, she's can be the best at what she does. Mm-hmm. We love yeah. a power couple. Nah, I'm just, I'm just here supporting her. I'm her man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> husband. I love that. I, exactly. I, I, I think for April, I'm going to change my Twitter ad to Yusha's husband or my Twitter header. <laughs> <laughs> when, I will just watch oh, man. when Mashoon like um follows me for all of my milestones. Like he was like my one thousand follower. He was my five thousand, my ten thousand. He makes like new ah, accounts. Yeah, I'll make a new account. And he like makes <laughs> a new account that said mo- most twenty thousand followers. Devoted. I love it. Yeah, that's a lot of work though. But I'm proud of you for that. Yeah, that's that's. Hey man, you gotta do what you gotta <laughs> do. Anything for your girl, right? That's it. All right, go. number three. What's next? Number three. Least favorite thing about being a writer. Bad reviews. <laughs> oh man, no, I've yet no, to get one. I'm kind of scared. For oh them. my god, I'm scared for my I first actually one. got the worst review ever the other day, where someone's like, "This book is absolutely a waste of paper." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that one hurt." What? Yeah, Wait, but like, that's how you know. Like, oh. That's how you know they probably didn't read it because then they could have said something more detailed. Yeah, right. Like I understand. Like I'm. A, I, I take criticism, right? If someone's like, hey, this writing wasn't good, I'm like, okay, tell me what was good about it so I can yeah, fix it. Right. Right. I have a I also <laughs> They'll have a, never say anything. Exactly. I have also have a really bad habit with befriending people that give me bad reviews just so they can give me good reviews next time. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember trick. that I did that I did that with three or four people. I'm like, hey, I'll send you my second book for free. <laughs> so, so and they'll be like, Oh my god, he's such a good writer. I'm like, I know I'm a good writer. So you should that's, that too. Man. We have no, a you know you know when right you um when when you uh when when you posted my book on on your story, mm. I had somebody that follows you followed me, and she's uh she just like released her book, or maybe she like just announced it, and she's like some big book reviewer or whatever. I, yeah. I forgot her Instagram handle, but um, I was going through like she has a uh highlight story where it's just like her reviews yeah. for books, and there's so many just like. This book was was by sucked m- meaningless. I-, I want to return it, blah blah. And I'm just so like, mean. so mean. I hope she doesn't get my book. <laughs> yeah, because that's so f- man. Like and like okay, like I think it's really easy to like point out. I'm, this is me being like a dickhead, but I think it's easy to point out like obviously not good writing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if like you you can recognize when somebody kind of puts their all into a book, how the hell are you gonna give that like a two out of five? That's not your business. It's, it's you so know? bad because this is like I mentioned earlier on in this interview. Like my wife kind of trained me to take negative words out of my vocabulary, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. if you use negative words, people won't like you, right? Like, if you're going to say mm. my book is a waste of paper, I'm going to be like, damn, I hope I like this person sucks and I don't like them. Yeah. Well, if someone said yeah. if, if they rather said, hey, this book wasn't for me rather than saying like, hey, I don't know why this book has so many good reviews because it's right. not great. Right. Like, like just if you want to criticize me, criticize me. Don't insult. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the line. Right. Yeah. Right. So bad reviews. That's. Yeah. I think that's really bad. The no, backlash and bad reviews. And it hurts you a fun. lot when it's like you know you put everything into it too, and it's like damn, not everyone. My day likes is it. ruined. Yeah, my day's ruined. My whole weeks get get ruined sometimes. Oh, uh, oh my god, it's the worst. But that's yeah. like creative. What can you do, right? I know. All right, last one. Your favorite pastry or sweet? Okay, good. 
fruit eclair <laughs> from Sook Pastry in New Jersey, Ridgewood, New Jersey. I swear to God, Mushnoon, you come up again, come through. I'll treat what you is to it? that. It's eclair? called a fruit eclair. Oh. Fruit eclair. Uh-huh. It's it's a, an eclair, right? And it has this gentle cream in the middle with fresh fruit on top. <laughs> the cream right? really got and, to me. Oh, the cream got to me good. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I. I have been obsessed with it since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I like I went for my book release. We didn't have anything big because like a book signing fell through. So I was really upset about that. So my wife took me. We went out to Ridgewood, which is like an hour up from me. But I used to live around there. And she took me specifically to Suck Pastry because I love their pastry so much. And my mm-hmm. friends are there just surprising me, right? Like, hey, we're here for you. But I was like, I mm-hmm. would I want to take like, three eclairs home because that's how much I love that eclair. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the best. Yeah. The coffee's the coffee's mid, but the mm. eclair and their other pastries out of this world. I'm telling you, I, feel I that. trust you on that. I feel that. You know, you know, our uh, our our dear listeners have to know that, like, the last time I was up in New York, you know, I post a little story that I'm in Brooklyn. Oh. With I thought we got like, over well, this like, No, I'm like, not even over you, it. You, hey, uh, I'm not. You know, it's like you, you can move on. Let me let me just tell this real quick. <laughs> so Farhan's like, yo, we got a link, da da da. I'm like, where you at? He said, Washington Square Park. I'm like, cool. <laughs> no problem. We were planning on going. That's the thing. We like I had the whole day planned. We were planning to go there. Show up and watch the square park. Yo, Farhan, da da da, where you at? I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> this guy, bro. I was so pissed. I looked at Mo, I was like, there's no way. I think we were playing we board games. Here. We didn't come we playing board games and we we're like, damn. We were waiting for you, yeah. bro. Nah, I was. This I man think I said. Was, I think that day I was purposely avoiding you. I don't know. I can't really remember. Too Imagine. <laughs> Imagine no, I, switch spots. I I felt so bad that day because I was down to meet you, but like I told you yesterday, right? Like, um, yeah, 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 it whatever. was just it was out of. <laughs> but you said it, it so like name. you said it so casually, like oh yeah, like I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> like that was it. Like there was no communication after. No that. emotion. That was it. Listen, listen. Like I say, like I say, I I think when I aired you. Right, right aired you the first time you messaged me i i remember i messaged you back like listen if i don't respond to you or i do anything wrong it's not at an ill intent i'm just an idiot right that's what it is like i just <laughs> i just forget things uh, oh, but no that God. day i felt really bad because i genuinely did want to meet you but it was just that day was so hectic because we were i was like someone else's pawn that day like someone just dragging me around everyone i'm <laughs> yeah. like i don't want to go and they're like all right come on we gotta go and i'm like Okay. That's a fun day, though. I yeah. Well, it would have been cooler if you know you uh. But oh yeah, okay. it would be cooler if you didn't avoid me. Yeah, here we know. go. I'm here we sure. go. With this. <laughs> I'm, this I'm, gonna, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna gas I'm uh, gonna gaslight you now. <laughs> guys, I'm literally like in between oh, like two star-crossed lovers that like never meet. You're, our, in... you're a mediator. Uh, yeah, no, mediator. I'm literally just in between. <laughs> I'm done. Usually for all right. So to end our episode, we usually give out like 10 second advice. Um, I'll oh no, I don't first. have one yet. You got no, 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 I don't have one advice. yet. You go first. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Farhan, you got anything? 10 second advice. Some real quick to our listeners. Something you just want to say. Advice. Uh, it could be five. It could be five three. seconds. It could be three. It could be two. It could be one. Yeah. Um, let me think real quick. Damn. <laughs> think of that advice on on the go. Okay, I would say to always doubt. No, mine, mine's dumb. Go someone else. Go. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I would say um. I I would say I would say buy some plants. <laughs> I, I love plants. <laughs> 
I think <laughs> just suck you in the no, man. I think um, no, I think uh, cause I've been watering my plants in like two weeks. Yeah, my and you know, I, you I forgot. I yeah, my plant is dying. Yeah, your plant. You is should bogging. learn. You should learn some. Uh, learn from the plant master. I tried. Take he gives me tips Take whenever he around. comes. His sister literally sent me a live plant, a monstera plant from Orlando, like a big one. Damn! I just got a green thumb. It's crazy. I got the greenest thumb. My shit is healthy. Right, con- like right, I was continue. saying, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch my uh wash. I didn't wash my plants. What? I didn't. I didn't water my plants. Why well, I'm saying wash? It's because I put them under the sink. I literally give them showers. I you don't wash like, them. You know, people. Pe- people put get like the you know they put a little. We get you know, it. You're like, talking about mine, me. like yeah, and like uh, I forgot to water my plants, and they were looking really sad. And um, you know, I I watered them again, and I usually like take my time to water them, and um, you know, it really helps just bring me back to like kind of like a a schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it like I like having that like constant reminder that like, and you can see when you haven't watered them, like they get sad, like they get dull, and just like. You know, going back to water them again, it really gives me that sense of like, you know, why are you laughing? You know what it means when you say 10 seconds? Because that definitely was not 10 seconds. I'm done. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Damn. That's that's where I'm ending it. You're a bully. No, go go ahead. uh, Go ahead. Damn, I could have got the the thing. Damn. Yeah. The thing is, like, you don't even have anything to say. So, like, why are you cutting me off? You know, if you had something to say, then sure. Like, you know, show my shit up. But, like, I would say journal every day. Journal, take take a moment. I know I suck at journaling, but take a moment, write down how your day went, uh, write your emotions down, and just kind of kind just revisit it and make sure you do that every day because I realize it does create or gratitude. Write some gratitude stuff down too. I would say I'm really bad at that. that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's corny. That's really corny. I'm sorry. No, that's a good one. No. Hope they like it. Sup your alley. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that hurt. My fault. My fault. I can't forgive you. <laughs> I'm oh. trying to think of mine. Yo, please, <laughs> please. It's like it's like a lover stabbing me. Um. I think I felt. You know. It's waiting a month for that. Um, Damn. <laughs> okay, if you guys are gonna go <laughs> pitch silent, like staring at me. It's okay. Please. You know Anything. what? You know what I'm thinking about? I think you should restrict yourself to eating out like once a week. Because here are the good, benefits. Good. Here are the benefits. I don't like that one. <laughs> yeah, Go because you out. really Go like indulge. your plant planting, yourself. watering one, right? So if you're going to eat out more than once a week. I'm never talking again. If you're going to eat out more than once this a week, podcast, it's no. going to be, first of all, not costly effective. You're going to be spending a lot of money. Second of all, you're going to be not you're not gonna know what's going into your body third of all there's so much peace in cooking sometimes you know so Agreed. that's my advice <laughs> <laughs> yo you want to hear a funny story i was in i was in mo's apartment i was taking a call like a work call and i told her i was like yo taking a work call you know quiet down a little bit it's 30 minutes 30 minutes please <laughs> <laughs> this woman goes into the kitchen you know when like you crack an egg onto a pan onto like a really 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 hot pan you hear like that super loud sizzle yeah now imagine that but like times 10 that's exactly what this woman she does. This, the woman eggs cooks the me, this woman cooks me the loudest <laughs> eggs i've ever had in my they life they were good my they were good, right? god 
the apartment is smoking. <laughs> then she throws some mushrooms. I, I have my AirPods and I can't hear the guy I'm talking to. He's looking at me. He's like, what the hell is going on? I was like, I don't know, bro. <laughs> and it's the fact that I told her, like, please, you know, just. She's trying, to be, she's trying to be loving, bro. Yeah, weren't they love. good? You know, after after that incident, were, after that incident, really mushroom, mushrooms and eggs, mushrooms and eggs. That's what I'm saying. I put them on, but after that incident, he had to put on like the the um focus. What's that thing called? The screen in the background, like the background blur. <laughs> he had to put on ah. the, the background. <laughs> I can't be in so peace in my own home. Up? Yeah, I can't be in peace. Uh, All right, let's damn. close it off. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. My goodness, this is a six day long podcast apologies we appreciate if you listen to this all the way to the end no i i love talking so like it's a bad toxic trait we loved having you it's a toxic trait no i appreciate it um yeah cool so so farhan do you do you have anything like you know any last thoughts um where can they find you and um plug yeah uh you can uh anyone can find me on fsusa instagram i don't know and I remember, like, yeah, I, I'm really bad at plugging. I'm not, yeah. I can't self, I can't self, like, I don't know. He's being humble too. Uh, He's being so humble. Buy Mahua's uh, clothing, um, support Mushroom's <laughs> this is, art. This is I all think you. That is, listen to Difficultish every week, coming <laughs> at Friday at 10 a.m. I um, love that. If there's somebody listening, like, right now, like, right now, you obviously love yeah. us. That's crazy. Exactly. exactly. You know, two hours you know what's in. crazy? Farhan literally told us that there was a very big difference in the mic. And it's the fact that people notice. And it's also the fact that no one told us. So if you like the mic, Get the us. new mic, please give us a good rating. A five, we must say, because we've been getting a one, I think. So We've been getting some not fives. Yeah. And it's been it's not very, very peak, right? alarming. Yeah, it's been very unsettling, not very honestly. Peak. So give us the five. Yeah, Especially you've been here for the last two hours. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, I feel let's wrap it up. But I'm yeah. done. Thank you guys for listening. Nice. Please uh, leave us a rating. Please follow follow Farhan. Um, buy his book. And, and um, bye. <laughs> bye. Peace. See you guys. Bye. I love this.